Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. That gift and the way that they lead us. Well, today we are, like I said, continuing in this series, and it's called Dang James because we're looking at the book of James, which is really just a letter that uh, was written by a guy of the same name, James. And James was uh, a pastor of the original church in Jerusalem, uh, and he was also Jesus's brother. And so uh, James writes this letter to uh, the early church, the very first church. And the purpose of it was to write this letter to a church that was now scattered because they were being persecuted. They were being persecuted because of their faith. So they were being beaten, they were being locked up, and some of them were even being killed. So of course, they stopped meeting publicly, started hiding, and they scattered. And so James is writing this letter to them because his purpose for them is for them to experience unity in the midst of a scattered circumstance. And, uh, and, and the way James talks, and the reason we call this series Dang James, is because he's very direct and he's very much in your face. And it has us all saying? Yeah, so if you haven't been with us, if you hear something today that really just kind of gets you, a Dang James is welcome. If you're somebody that usually shouts out hallelujah or amen or something like that, Dang James will work just fine. Uh, in this series. And so we're, we're going, what we're doing in the series, we're covering the entire letter, that whole book. It's five chapters in eight weeks. And we're in week five today. And I have to tell you that today might be the most difficult for you, okay? So just, just brace yourselves. James is about to be all up in your business because today's topic is taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. So what I'm going to do to start it off is I'm actually going to come back to a verse that, we, we, uh, that I read in week one and I promised to come back to. But here's what James said in James chapter one, and then we'll jump over to James chapter three and, and fully discuss this. But in uh, James chapter one, verse 26, it says, if you claim to be religious, in other words, pause, that, that word religious written there in the Greek language, if you break it down, it means like pure in heart. If you want to, to be somebody who represents themselves as having a passion for godly things, okay? It doesn't mean what we think it means, religion today. James was speaking to a context. They would have understood what this meant, that, that if you want to claim to love God, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and this love you have for God, your religion, it's worthless. Yeah, dang, James. Dang, James. See what I mean about his directness? Right from the beginning here when he talks about our faith, what we believe, the purity of it. If we really want to represent that we have this faith, that we have this loving, loving relationship with God, but we don't control our tongues, our faith is worthless. And it's an important topic for today that we discuss the power of the tongue because I think we are in a very toxic culture today where we are invited as a people to comment on anything and everything. We are invited to begin speaking the thoughts that you have the moment you have them without any consideration of their impact or effect on others or yourself. We are invited to, think, or to comment on everything, to opine on matters. And I, I think it's hilarious to watch the comment sections uh, on TikTok. Y'all know that I love TikTok already. It's a problem and I'm working on it. But the comment section is really where you want to hang out for the funniest content, really. And also for the rudest content. Because we get behind a keyboard and we just fire off things about people. And we decimate and destroy their lives by the words that we speak. We comment on everything. And this invitation to comment on everything online now pervades our entire world. Where you can go out into society and see a people who have been trained to say whatever comes across their minds the moment it comes across their minds. It is absolutely appalling to watch how kids talk disrespectfully to their parents nowadays. It is appalling to go into a fast food restaurant and see the customer service rep on the other side of the counter being treated poorly. It is terrible to, to me to see the way that students speak flagrantly with oppositions to their teachers and how players on a field will speak to each other. I was at a kickball game the other night. A kickball game. Kickball. 
kickball. And, my, and, and one of the players was out on the field, and the player on the other team had a good play. And he looked at him and said, man, you're really good. That was a good play. And that player looked at him and goes, well, I can't say the word that he said, but he, it starts with an F and ends with some other things, and had some words for him. Huh? It's a kickball game, y'all. We speak terribly to one another. We become people who speak what we think the moment we think it, but that's not okay. In fact, the Bible tells us, and James told us earlier on in this series, that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. James is saying, hey, if we claim to honor God, if we claim to love him, but our mouth says otherwise, that the way we are using our words tells people otherwise. It really actually, what it does, it tells you what your heart is really full of. And if you can't control your tongue, your faith system isn't working for you, fella. That's what James is trying to say. So today I'm going to spend the rest of the time breaking down James chapter 3, which is all about the tongue. And by the way, when I was uh, in school uh, in sixth grade, if you talked out of turn in class at all, the teacher would assign you to write James chapter 3. And so uh, there are people in that class, not me, because I learned after a couple times of having to write this thing out all the way, uh, not to run my mouth when I'm not supposed to. But there are some people that can still quote it forwards and backwards today because they had to write it so many times. It's a powerful thing. But in James chapter 3, he's going to show us three powers that the tongue has. And James wants us to know, hey, this is something really, really important for your life. In fact, it's something that God takes very, very seriously that I think oftentimes we don't. I think we've got categories for sins, don't we? we? Well, you know, things like murder. Like, that's a bad thing, right? Adultery. You're the worst. And those are things we would, we put those in a pile and in a column and go, we would never, ever do those things. But things like boasting, things like flattery, things like lying, well, those are kind of a gray area and those are acceptable things. I can't say I'm never going to do those things, but man, I'm not going to murder anybody. But God has more to say about our words than you would think. In fact, if you look in Scripture, it says that there are seven things that God hates. And three of those seven things are detestable to him. And those three things that he hates, that he's got on his list of worst things, three of them come from the tongue. God puts a lot of weight on our words because they are powerful. In fact, in Proverbs, it has a lot of wise sayings, and these Proverbs are written from the wisest people in the world, Solomon being one of them, and a lot of those Proverbs are about the tongue. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the tongue is a big deal to God, and James wants to help us understand it all, so here we go. Here are three things James wants us to see about the power of the tongue, and the first one, if you're taking notes, is that my words will determine my direction. Your words will determine your direction. That's true for all of us, for every single one of us. All of us, wherever we are right now, is likely because of the words, good and bad, positive and negative, that somebody has spoken over your life. We are currently the sum total of our relationships and what the words those people in those relationships have spoken over us, what they've said to us. In fact, you tend to become what the most influential person in your life says you will become. And I know your life matters to you and where you're going in your life matters to you, so I know that this right here needs to matter to you because look at what James says in James 3, chapter 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So that's a directional thing. It's about the direction the animal is gonna go, okay? So you can put this small thing in an animal's mouth and control it, and then he goes on to talk about another directional thing. He says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. In other words, James is saying, hey, there may be forces at work in your life, things that are driving and pushing you like the wind. But the thing that will control your life is something much, much smaller and much more powerful, and it's your tongue. Now, I've had a lot of, 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 lot of negative things said over me in my life, and I'm dealing with those things. I've got a great therapist. You should ask me for information. I'll give it to you. But I've also had lots of positive things said over my life. In fact, one of the most powerful things that was said over my life was said, over my, said to me by my pastor Conan when he said, you ever thought about being a pastor? And look at what I'm doing. 
10 years later. Well, that was 12 years later, but still. I've been in ministry for 10, 10 years now because somebody looked at me and said, you know what? I see in you, or I believe this about you. Pastor Laney will tell you that that's her journey too, that we were on a mission trip with her, and we watched her inter- interact with the, stu- the, the students, the kids that we were there to serve, and we said, man, you've got a gift. You should probably be a kid's pastor, and she was like, okay, and we hired her. She's our next-gen pastor. She takes care of your kids on Sunday morning and our students uh, and our student ministry. It's because somebody saw something in them. I was talking with my buddy John before service, and he said, he didn't even know we were talking about this today. He said, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. He said, I have just been on a high this week. He said, I've, God has been showing me all of these people, and they've been coming to me saying to me, he said, three times in the last few months, people have come to me and said, you know, there was something you said about me that changed the entire direction of my life. And he was sharing a story with me about somebody that, that's a, a, a a chaplain, and he said, John, you looked at me and said, I think you'd be really good at that, and you should pursue that, and John's like, Aaron, I don't even remember having that conversation with him, but his words were so powerful that it altered the direction of somebody's life. In fact, I will tell you that words are so powerful that I think one of your greatest opportunities to make a difference right here at this church is to join the kids' ministry or the student ministry. Because you can get into a young person's life who desperately, desperately needs someone to speak life-giving words over them and telling them what they see in them. Mm. Could be you. Could be you. But the words we've received are powerful, but so are the words that we have spoken. I think about the stories in the Old Testament where the words that were spoken redirected their lives. And I think about the Israelites, they come to mind. Because the Israelites, though God had delivered them miraculously from slavery in Egypt, on their exodus journey, they're leaving Egypt, God is miraculously providing food for them every day. Food they, by the way, didn't have to work for. All they had to do was go out and pick it up off the ground. He's providing them food and water Every day, everything that they need. And you know what they start doing? They start complaining. Well, at least we had fish back in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were oppressed in Egypt. But at least they had fish. Now, I don't know how close to the edge of stupid you can get, but that's pretty close. Dang James. Because here they are free on their way to the promised land and they're complaining about food. And what happens because of their complaints, none of them, none of them wind up in the promised land. Absolutely none of them. Because what they said redirected their lives. Their complaints set the course of their lives and it will for you too. And young people, I've got a warning for you. Listen to me if you're here today. Don't go, go, go saying any, anything that comes to your brain about your parents. Don't you dishonor them. Don't you curse them. I don't care how mean they, you think that they are. Don't you talk bad about your parents. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 20, if someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. We're going to talk about directionless. You're going to care about the direction of your life. Young people, listen to me. Old people, listen to me. Mom and dad's still alive. You better honor him with your tongue. You wind up with a lamp snuffed out. You won't be able to see. You want to set a course for pain? pain? Curse your mom and dad. But the Bible says that if you honor them, there's blessing that comes with honoring them. I know you don't like to hear that. But I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I just want you to know. There's another story in the Old Testament as well. Uh, where they're, they're grumbling and they're complaining or their confession wound them up in trouble. It's still the Israelites. They're still trying to get into the promised land. And they get there and they send in 12 spies. And these 12 spies go in to scout out the land to see if it's viable, to see if they can conquer them, to see what they need to do it. And 10 out of the 12 come out with this negative confession, this negative report saying, no, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. But there were two. There were two, Joshua and Caleb. And it says this in Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, now these are the other 10, 
We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. You can choose. This is the beauty right now. You can choose to be a not able or a we are able kind of person. You can choose that. It starts with your words. In other words, I'll say it this way. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. And that's what James is teaching here, that that you've got power in your tongue. It will alter and change your destiny. The second power that the tongue has is that your words can destroy what you have. Your words can destroy what you have. You can blow it all up with just a single word. You don't need a gun. You don't need a knife. You don't need a battle plan or a fist, nothing. You've heard the phrase that the pen or the written word is mightier than the sword because it is. Words are more powerful and more destructive than any, any ounce of violence. James wants to raise an awareness that what you say matters here, that what you say can destroy it all. You can destroy your marriage. You can destroy your family. You can destroy your kids, your career, your opportunities. You can blow it all up with just a single word. And in verse 5, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. So remember, he was talking about the rudder that turns the ships and the bits in the horse's mouth. He says, hey, your tongue, it's a small part, just like that rudder, just like the bit. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Pause. 2021, uh, there there were California wildfires. And there was one that happened that was so massive that it burned up 500,000 acres That's half a million. Half a million acres burned up, and they traced it all down to one spark that happened with some people who were camping. It was from a hammer to a tent peg, and that one spark that nobody thought anything about lit an entire forest ablaze. That one second, that half a second, that that spark flared off, nobody thought anything about it, and I feel like, I wonder if we aren't that way too. That, that that half a second that we fired off those words, we didn't think anything about them. But they started such a fire and destroyed much too. He continues on, he says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the body, or parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Oh, and by the way, it is itself set up on fire by the fires of hell. Okay, Great. Awesome. Any questions? Comments? Dang, James. Now, to read it feels harsh, but you know what? This is not anything we don't already know. We already know how powerful our words are. We didn't need James to tell us that. We already knew. We know because we live in a world where cancel culture is a thing. We know it. We know our tongues can destroy lives. We've seen politicians get destroyed. We've seen pastors get destroyed. We've seen uh, fast food workers, college students, community members. All have been canceled, and oftentimes because we were quick to speak and not quick to listen first to get the full details on the situation. We had to opine, to comment so quick, and we destroy people's lives because we will look for them. We will cancel them and oftentimes on misinformation. Our words have and do and can set the world on fire. The world is inviting us to use our words and to use them carelessly so, just to comment on everything, and it's absolutely toxic. It's not just just toxic to those that are hearing it, but it's also toxic to the people that are saying it. The Bible gives us instruction on how much we should speak It's very clear, it gives us instruction on duration, like how much we talk, and the direction in which we speak. In other words, who we're saying it to. So how much we say and who we're saying it to, it gives us us direction on this because it's really important. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 19, that we should be slow to speak because it says too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's, That's not even James, that's Solomon, but that's all right. I'll take it. Because it's true. Wow, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a refrigerator magnet idea right there, right? Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That sounds good. That's good counsel right there. You know, I fail at this. I, I'd like to tell you that I, I fail at it way less, uh, but, but I, I find myself in a mess. My, my mouth gets me in trouble. What? 
my mouth gets me in a lot of trouble. I had to apologize to my wife and several staff members here recently because we had, we had finished uh, you know, working for the day and we were on our way out and I had gotten some feedback about something that I had done and I just really was not in a space to hear that feedback. And so I immediately start grumbling and I start complaining and rah, 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 rah. Say, what were you saying, Pastor Aaron? That's none of your business. <laughs> Already said I had to apologize for it. I'm not repeating it here. Certainly, so it goes out on the interwebs, and everybody knows that I'm a scumbag, and I am. But Jesus loves me, this I know. Well, the Bible tells me so. <laughs> but I had to apologize, and after I had spewed this stuff all over them, I got in the car, and I realized immediately, this is not okay, and I shouldn't have said those things. And I picked up the phone and reached out, and, and I had to apologize, because I shouldn't have said those words at all. I should have kept those comments to myself. And I think we all need a little more of that, don't we? That we all need to, just because we've got a thought, doesn't mean it needs to come out of our mouth. That, that we can be quiet. That we can keep those words in our head. Stop saying everything we think because less words are better. So, so the duration, the Bible talks to us about our duration, how much we speak. And then it talks about the direction in which we speak. In other words, who we say it to. But for example, like, I'm okay if you don't like something. So like if you're on my team, if you're on my staff, I'm okay if you dislike something. I'm okay with that. But I actually expect something that you dislike, whatever it is, I expect you to come to me and let me know that you dislike that thing. Because let's be honest, most of us, when we dislike something, we turn to the person to the right and to the left of us and we tell them instead of telling the person we've got an issue with, right? So I've got this open door policy. I'm okay with it. Like I want the feedback. Feedback's not always fun. And I've really had to work on how I've received feedback, but I want to be open to it because I want a great work environment and experience for everybody that works here. I absolutely do. In fact, I've got a sneaky way. At least once a month that we've got this thing called a one-on-one where I sit in front of them and I actually ask them the question, is there anything I'm doing that you would do differently? That's, that's, that's a sneaky way of saying, hey, what am I messing up? What is it you don't like? Because I want to create a culture where the person that they've got an issue with, that they come to them, that they learn to get comfortable saying, hey, I didn't like this. It made me feel this way. That hurt me when you said or when you did. Like, I want us to have that kind of culture. And I feel like that's the kind of culture that we all need to adopt. That it's our responsibility that when we have an issue with somebody, not to go out on Facebook and blast somebody, not to text our friends, but to go to the person that we have the issue with. Matthew 18 tells us to do exactly that. To go to the person. Let them know they've offended you. Let them know that they've hurt you. But the point is, the reason I'm trying to establish this culture is because, because grumbling to the, to the person to the right and to the left of you and out on social media, it doesn't do anything. You're not even talking to the people that have the power to change the situation. All you're doing is causing disunity and you're being disruptive. No, I want people to come to me or to whoever they have the issue with, not everybody else. Simply said, we're going to pass our negatives up and our praises down. We're going to make sure that if we've got an issue with somebody, we go to them and we talk to them about that issue. We're going to, because they have the power to fix it. And then praise, praise we can tell everybody. Praise is a good thing. We should tell everybody everything good about somebody. And we should tell it to the person that we're praising and we should tell it to the other people around them. Absolutely. Say the hard things you need to, to to the person that has the power to fix it, and praise, praise, spread it around to everyone, everywhere. Words determine your direction. Words can destroy what you have. And finally, James wants you to know that that, uh, your words will always reveal your heart. Your words will always reveal your heart. What comes out of you is based on what has been put in you. So if you are always nasty to others, if you are critical of them, if you are always tearing them down, condemning them, or if, you, if negativity just abounds in your speech about yourself, about others, about your circumstances, you might want to begin considering why that is. You might want to ask the question, because could it be that there's something in our hearts that is a little off? Look what James says in verse 9. With the tongue... We praise our Lord. We say good things. Hey, God, you're doing a great job. Jesus, thank you for everything. We do that. And then with it, we curse human beings. Pause. Pause. 
Now, I don't want everybody to get hung up on this word curse because I think the second we hear this word curse, we think, well, I don't cuss. That's not what I do. I don't cuss. And listen, that's not what that word says, and it's not what that word means. It says if you curse them, that word there is the Greek word kataromai. I don't even know if I said that right. You don't know. And I learned a new word this week because kataromai in the Greek translates to an English word execrate. I don't know if I'm saying that word right either. Execrate. Do you know what that means? It means to feel or express great loathing for. Execrate. So if you're using words to talk about somebody in a way that expresses loathing, when just a second ago you were using words to express love to our Father and love to, to Jesus, he says, you're cursing these human beings who have been made in God's likeness out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He says, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be praising God, speaking well of him, and then cursing, loathing, using words that express a loathing, a deep loathing in your heart for humanity, those very people that were made in God's image, the people that he loves. And loving God and loathing humans absolutely needs to stop. What he says next might seem like he's changing topics, but it's not. He says in verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? If you don't know the answer to that, it's no. They can't, and he's using that as a comparison because the people that day would have understood that. They would have known. You don't get salty water and spring water from the same, from the same place. They, they don't flow from the same place, and he's using it as the backdrop to say, hey, blessings and cursings shouldn't coexist either. They shouldn't come out of the same hole. And in Scripture, it talks about springs. Springs are always a metaphor for the heart. So can love and loathing both flow from the heart? James is about to tell us. He says, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can, salt spring, uh, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's letting you know something. There's a problem here. There's a problem. And all of us have a problem because we can't control our tongues. But the problem isn't our tongue itself. It's your heart. It's your heart. If you're having trouble controlling your tongue, behavior modification isn't going to work really well here. In fact, controlling your tongue is one of the very first conversations I seem to have with every brand new baby Christian. Because they think, well, I'm following Jesus now, and I've just got to go ahead and clean up all, all the words that I've been saying for all my life. And I, man, if I say one cuss word, I'm, I'm, I'm out. That's not how it works, by the way. Jesus will clean you up little bit by little bit. And he'll begin dealing with things, and you'll know it because you'll feel it in your heart. You'll be challenged or confronted with God's word, and then you can invite him in to help change you, to change your heart. But ultimately, you've got a heart issue here. And we need God to examine our heart because what's inside you keeps coming out of your mouth. And God can fix that. James says in verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But watch this. No human being. No human being. None of them. Can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. We can't tame our tongues. Only God can tame our tongues. We don't have the power, so what do we do? Well, there are, there are three things that can be transformative to your life, but listen, you can sit here and listen to these, and they're not going to do anything good for you unless you go out and apply them to your life. So I'm going to challenge you to do that. But there's three things. Let me give them to you quick. The first thing is to allow God to change your heart. That's where you got to start. That's the invitation. You've got to ask him to be part of that process because if your heart doesn't change, it doesn't matter how much church you attend. It just, it just doesn't matter. If your heart doesn't change, how much you go to church doesn't, just doesn't matter. It won't give you control over your tongue just to show up here every week. Christianity is not your religion. Your, your religion, your faith is that if any man be in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. Everything is made brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. 
And the author of Hebrews describes this work that God does on the inside of you. If you'll invite him to, he says this, that this is the covenant I'll establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. In other words, that his ways in our hearts and minds means that God isn't giving us a list of things to do. God is giving us a person to become. It's different. He goes on to say, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about the money you throw into the offering plate. It's this journey, this spiritual journey you're on is about being transformed. That's what it's about, that you can be made new. And friends, that's something you can invite God to do in your life, to make you brand new every single day of your life. In fact, I'm going to give you a challenge. I want you to try something this week. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. (laughs) I pray this verse or a version of this verse almost every time I pray. And it's an important one. It's Psalm 1914. I'm just going to challenge you to pray this every day this week. See the difference that it makes. May the words of my mouth... And the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's Psalm 1914. Choose to pray that prayer this week. Invite him in. Say, God, I'm going to need your help. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Notice that the two are connected. Your heart and your mouth are connected. You cannot disconnect them. What is in your heart will come from your mouth. And so every time I pray, I'm asking God, examine my heart. To, to make it clean, to make me right, to wash me, to fill me with his spirit. Because I know this, I know that if I get my heart right for the day, then I know my day is going to be set right no matter what comes my way. Because I know that when my heart is right, my words will be right as well. And that my life will be right. It impacts how I lead, it impacts how I love, how I show up and how I speak. And what would the world look like if we did this every day, if we chose to invite God to make us brand new? God, get my heart right, and my words will be right too. And we need to pray that first, but there's also some things that we can do because prayer is the right start because only God can control our tongues. But then you've got to understand that there's another principle at work here. You've got a responsibility to keep your heart from being polluted, and you need to put a filter on what you allow in your heart. You can ask God to change your heart all day long, but if all the content that you are consuming all day long is nothing but negative then let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. You may start clean, but you will not end clean. You cannot allow toxins in that continue to pollute your heart. Negative movies, the kind of music you listen to matters. The TikToks you watch, it matters. The podcast you listen to matters. We are polluting ourselves, and the work of the Lord gets undone because we spend our entire day just pouring filth in. Y'all have heard this before, garbage in. Yeah, you know it. You absolutely know it. And it's absolutely true. Garbage in, garbage out. Jesus explained it clearly for us in Matthew 12, verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So good in, good out. Bad in, bad out. So consider what you're storing up. What are you consuming all day long? What are you listening to? What are you putting in your ears? What are the voices that you're allowing to speak over your life? Who are you tuned into? Is it God's word? Is it positive people, people that are to speak life over you? What are you going to allow into your life? How much garbage will you consume? Because, my friends, I think it's time to call the garbage truck. I think it's time to figure out what's polluting your heart and causing you to speak in a way that is not congruent with your spirit and with God's word. And it'll take time. It'll take time. Because praying this prayer and inviting the Holy Spirit in to examine your heart, that's going to be a process. And he's going to work on you little bit by little bit. Don't you get defeated and don't you get discouraged by the journey. Don't you do it. This is important stuff. Proverbs warns us, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We've got a responsibility here to invite God in, but then we've got to put some filters in place. We've got to discern some things that are not good for our lives. 
And then, once we've done that process, invited God in, cleaned out some of the garbage, then we get to do the last one, and that's to decide to speak words of life. This is the real work here, friends. This is it. Like, because there's power in our words. There's absolutely power. We can get our, our hearts filled with God's life and filter out the life-taking input. And then what comes out of us becomes powerful, becomes words of life. And let me tell you something. Those words of life that you'll speak would not only impact you or the others, it'll impact you as well. In my time of prayer in the, with the Lord, I always submit, I submit my mind to him. Lord, transform my thoughts. May they be honoring to you. Lord, I submit my eyes to you. I want to see, I want to keep my eyes focused on Jesus and see the needs of others. Lord, here's my ears. Let me hear your voice today. And then I always submit my mouth because I'm always five seconds away from stupid with this thing. Like God, may I speak life today and not death. May I speak only words that encourage people and build them up and not tear them down. It's my regular prayer. I need God's help. I need his help to be able to speak life that day because I've got a responsibility. I've got a responsibility to do it. I have the power to do it. Why would I withhold that power, the most impactful thing possible, which is words? Why would I withhold that? So we can change our worlds with prayers that lead to speaking life into this world. And there are five kinds of life-giving words to speak. Here they are real quick. Words of affection. Man, speak words of affection. Let people know you love them. There is nothing wrong with letting people know that you love them. Tell them, I love you. Now let me set something straight. Love isn't sex. Stop sexualizing love. Just stop it. It's okay for another man to tell another man, I love you. There's nothing sexual about that. Love you too, homie. There, there's nothing. I, I, I tell people all the time I love you. In fact, when I got into therapy, my therapist was like, tell me about little Aaron. This is some of the weirdest stuff. And if you're not done therapy, this is going to sound really weird to you. But my inner child, I was like, well, my inner child, he just, he just loves to play with people. And he loves to tell people he loves them. He just wants to hug people and tell them he loves them. And that's true. That's true to me. I just want to hug people and tell them I love them. I do. That's, that's the real authentic version of me. Why wouldn't we do that? Everybody likes to hear that, that somebody loves them. Nobody's going to respond negatively to that. That's a positive thing. Moms and dads, your kids need to hear I love you way more than you realize. Husbands and wives, your spouse needs to hear I love you way more than you realize. My wife and I have got a nightly routine. Not that one. she'll lean over and she, she says, I love you. And I say, I love you back, but I say it in my own way. I say it in the Star Wars way. I give her the Han Solo treatment and I go, I know. She hates that. And there's a series of jokes that I will go through before I finally get to the I love you, but I really wait till it gets awkward and silent and I know she's good and mad. And then I go, love you. Whatever, Aaron. Yeah. Oh, I'm a jerk. I know it. I'm okay. I'm having fun, though. Mm-hmm. As you wish. I love that from the Princess Pride. It's good. Don't ever go wrong telling somebody you love them. And we need to, we need to, hear, we need to hear it when people love you. We, we need to know it. In fact, you know what? God told his son that he loved him. In fact, Jesus and the Father, the Heavenly Father, talked a lot. Unfortunately... We don't get to know what they talked about on a regular basis. What we do get is two conversations that they had publicly. And in both of those situations, one was when Jesus was baptized, another was when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Boy, our kids are getting it today, aren't they? They are having a good time back there. That's awesome. But these two times in Scripture that we get to peer into that conversation, God says the same thing to him both times. And at each one of these places, he said, you're my son, and I love you. At the baptism, it says that a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. It's Matthew uh, chapter three. We need to quit commenting a bunch of stuff that shouldn't have been said. And we need to start saying words of affection that bring life. 
Another set of words we can say are words of praise. Words of praise. Uh, we start off our staff meetings with words of praise. We, we do a quick check-in. We pray. We do a quick check-in. And then we, we give affirmations to people. We let somebody know in the room, man, you did a good job. And I appreciate the way you showed up. And we pass out those affirmations. And then we ask the question, is there anybody we need to thank this week? Because demonstrating gratitude is powerful for the person receiving it. But gratitude does something in you, too. And words of praise are powerful things. In fact, we, we've got this culture around here of, of, uh, of saying, hey, you did a really good job. And we even call it giving somebody a well done because our associate pastor, that's the way he says good job. He says well done, and then he extends his hand like this, like he's holding somebody he doesn't really care if it falls out of his hand. Well done. And, and we passed that around so much that years ago I was like, you know what, I need a gif. I need like an image of him doing the well done thing. And so now we do, we have that. And when somebody does a good job, if you didn't text that to them, you didn't mean it when you said, well done. <laughs> why, why give well dones? Because we need it. We all do. I need to give them. You need to hear them. We need to pass out well dones. It feels amazing to have somebody notice the work that you've done. Somebody to appreciate you. Really what it comes down to is it adds value to people to say, hey, great job. Well done. Also, it gives something that a lot of people don't feel on a regular basis. It gives them an opportunity to feel seen. It's a powerful thing, guys. Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. In other words, saying the right thing at the right time is both beautiful and valuable. Both beautiful and valuable. So give out praise and give it out often. And pray that God helps you see the good in others and to say something about it. God, let me see the good that they're doing. Help me to say the right words. Then there are words of encouragement. You know, we all need encouraged. I can't tell you why, but I was down this week. I, was, I just felt low. But I got a text from my pastor who reached out, and he was like, you know what, Aaron? He said, I just, you've been on my heart this week. He said, is everything okay? And I was like, I have no idea. It might be some kind of spiritual attack that I'm under. I couldn't really tell you. But I've just kind of felt low all week. And he said, well, know that somebody has prayed for you, and God put you on my heart to pray for you and reach out to you this week. I needed that encouragement, that God saw me and sent my pastor to say something to me, to reach out, to let me know that I'm loved, to let me know that I'm cared for. I needed encouraged. And it's hard to ask for those words to say, I'm really low and I need some encouragement. It's hard to ask for it. That's why, man, if you see it in somebody, you see they look down, that you see they look low, encourage them. They need it. It's hard to ask for it. It's hard to say, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling away but if you see something say something and I was encouraged by my pastor's heart and I'm thankful for every bit of encouragement that I received from you I love it I'm thankful for it words of encouragement make a difference Ephesians 4 29 says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs according to their needs by the way that it may benefit those who listen See, everything you say builds people up or it tears them down. So let's be builders, everyone. Amen? Then there are words of healing. Words of healing are, are powerful. Yesterday, uh, my sister was having a rough day, and it was obvious. She was kind of trudging around the house, head down, and she's doing her chores and just kind of moving about the cabin, you know? And, uh, and I knew she was having a bad day. And I just, I, I didn't really know what to say. So I, I followed her in to the bathroom where she was doing her chores, and she kind of was coming out the door and you know, bumped into me and was trying to sidestep me, and I just, <laughs> I just grabbed her, put my arms around her, and I told her it's okay to be grumpy every now and then. It's okay. Everybody's allowed to have a bad day every now and then, but it's going to be okay. Love you. Kissed her on her forehead. I didn't feel like I was saying much. I didn't really know what to say but it started in her shoulders and then it started pouring out of her eyes as she began to sob into my man chest. I mean, it didn't mean to make that last part weird. But it's what happened. Sometimes the, the most healing words we can give somebody is, I'm here with you. I see you. I love you. It's going to be okay. Honoring where they're at instead of talking down about them for where they are. 
We all have bad moments. And there are words of healing that we can say instead of being critical over those bad moments that people find themselves in. And I guarantee you, anybody had their choice, nobody would have a bad day. <laughs> we didn't choose that. I didn't choose to feel down all week. It's just my experience. We can speak words of healing. Proverbs 15, 4 says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. The words that you speak when they are meant to heal, they, it gives somebody life. I don't know, I didn't talk to her but, about it, but I'm sure if you talk to my sister about how did her day change because of that interaction? I don't know, but she was lit up like a Christmas tree when she came home from work. It was a much different girl. Words of healing, and the last one are words of faith, and these ones are the important ones. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us the faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And too often, I think, we're talking about the things that we can see. But I need men and women of God to begin speaking words of faith, things that you cannot see, things that aren't evident, things that aren't clear. This is the opportunity to look at somebody and say, you know what, I see this in you, like, like my pastor did to me, like John, John's done to several people. Like we did the Pastor Laney, tricked her, ha <laughs> ha sucker. We do lots of talking about what we see. Instead, we need to be people who talk about what cannot be seen, the unseen. Because truthfully, everybody knows where they're at in life. They know what's going on in life. They need to know how you, through the eyes of faith, see them. What, is, what do they have the potential to become? You know, I do this to you every week, by the way. You come in here, and I know a lot of you come in here with some baggage to your relationship with God. And the words that I tell you every week, you know what I believe about you? You can have a relationship with God because there's many of you that feel disqualified from that. You can find freedom. There's many of you that have, have, are desperate for freedom in some area of your life, and you have no idea how to find it. And maybe you've even given up hope that you can ever have it. But I believe you can find freedom. You have a purpose. Let us help you discover it. And you can make a difference with your life. And not just a temporary difference, but an eternal one. I believe that about you. That's why we do what we do here at this church. That's why we have Growth Track. Because I believe that you have a purpose. And I believe you can discover it. I believe you can live the best life you have when you give attention to what God has for you. But I do this every week for you. I tell you what is possible through God. Through the eyes of of faith. Now, I could just come in here and tell you who you are every week. You're just a bunch of sinners, and so am I. But you already know that. You don't need to hear that you're a sinner. What you need to hear is what you could be through the eyes of faith. In Romans 4.17, it says that Abraham is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead, and watch this, calls things that are not as though they were. That's who our God is. That he'll call out the potential in you. Words of faith. That I see something in you. I'm not going to tell you who you are every week. I want you to hear who you can become. Let's pray. Well, God, this week I'm inviting you to do a work in our hearts. I know this is a tough message. I know that it's not popular. I know that, that our culture is so quick to speak and quick to comment and that we've just kind of gotten a habit of saying whatever's on our mind and we say whatever's on our mind in our relationships and it gets us into trouble and we don't seem to change our ways. We say whatever's on our mind at work and at school and doesn't seem to matter how turbulent our life is, we stay the course. And I'm praying, God, that, that we would be wise, that we would begin to ask why. God, search us. We can't know this. We can't control our tongues. We need your help. Help us with our words to be quick to listen and slow to speak. To be a people who are, understand the power of our tongue, that it controls our destiny, that it can blow up our lives, and that they're powerful things. God, help us be people who wield this power, that we steward it well, that we become a people who speak words of life and not words that tear people down. Lord, give us an awareness and a step-by-step -step journey where you transform us. 
Because I know as you transform our hearts, our words will be shaped too. So God, do this work this week. And as we continue to pray in this moment, there are people making decisions about their tongues and inviting God into that journey and the way that they talk and how they use their words. But there's others of you, the decision you need to make right now and the one that's before you is, what are you gonna do with Jesus? What are you gonna do with this opportunity that is in front of you to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus? Are you gonna seize that opportunity? Are you gonna let another week drift by? If there's faith in your heart right now, that man, what I need most, Aaron, I need a relationship with God. I need a relationship with a God who sees me as someone that I can be. Born again, brand new, a new start, new lease on life, mercies that are new every morning, grace that abounds, forgiveness. If you realize that's what you need most, I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment. Let the faith that is in your heart come up out of your mouth here in just a moment. And join me in that prayer. Let's make a public stance and say, I'm going to say yes to Jesus today. And if that's you, I'm going to pray. I would love to know if you're joining me on that journey. Would you, just, would, would you just lift up your hand and say, Aaron, I'm making that commitment today. Yeah, thank you. I see your hands. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's awesome. There are people praying this prayer today, church. And this is the most important thing about what we do here. So everybody pray together out loud. Nobody praying alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, heaven's having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.